This episode of Lightning Strikes Thrice is brought to you by our incredible patrons, patrons like Jason and Admiral H. Curtis. If you want to help us keep making the show like they do, you can visit pitchdrop.cash and contribute as little as a buck a month. We really appreciate it. Are listening to Lightning Strikes Thrice, a JRPG Games Club podcast. This is season 10, episode 1, covering the mechanics of and day one in Wolfstride. I'm your host, Chris Taylor, and with me is Sybil Arnett, and all pronouns. Ryan Beatty, they them. That's right, only the good hosts. Uh <laughs> yeah. This motherfucker. This season is about Wolfstride. Before uh, we started playing it for the podcast, had anyone else played it or heard of it besides myself? No, not uh, at all. Only because you DM'd me about how sick it was. Uh, right. So that doesn't really count. <laughs> it is sick. Uh, I can sum this up perfectly. Wolfstride is, and I have a long list of Steam friends who I trade obscure bullshit with, a game that literally only Chris Taylor has played or owns on my list. It's so good! Oh, I'm not disputing that. I'm just saying, this is so under the fucking radar. I went around my usual RPG boards going, hey, anyone got any before I play Don't Step on This Landmine Tips for Me? It's so funny you asked everyone but me. fucking bit. Well, yeah, I didn't want to ask the person who was running notes. I wanted to get some outside opinions. Yeah, all I would have said is, don't waste your life doing bike deliveries. Too late. I, I did. Uh, I I did hear Austin Walker shouted out as like, "Oh, I'm interested to see what they have going on." Like he he shouted it out in a podcast in the last couple of weeks just to be like, "I haven't played this, but it's on my radar." So it could get a slow word of mouth. Hey, maybe we'll be part of the word of mouth wave. That's right. Well, what it is is it's a hybrid visual novel RPG. Released by Brazilian collective Ida Imon in December 2021, which I first found out about via its demo in Steam Next Fest last year. Wolfstride is an entirely vibe-based video game. It's a <laughs> grayscale and the tone is wild, which is uh, hard to describe because it's all over the place. And the general goal is to just deliver the maximum amount of vibes possible, regardless of if those vibes are good or bad or you're into it. Uh, I will say two things as a compliment to that. The art style could be described as if Two Brothers was fully black and white instead of Game Boy style. If uh, you have problems and know what that is. And B, you, I would say the tone of this is... Are you talking about a tale is, of sons? The one no, I think... Fight she, a spider lady? I think she's talking about Super Brothers? No, Sword and Sorcery? No, oh. Two Brothers, the game that the Yik developers did before Yik. Oh, I don't God. Like Yik is a bad name. That sounds like a slur. Okay, so <laughs> I'm going to out myself. The game is actually supposed to be Y2 as in the Roman numeral and K, but they yeah. spelled it Yik. It just looks like Yik. It uh it that's the that's the fucking game where the uh main character looks like uh a cursed comic store nerd version of Gary Butterfield. 
You know, that's a better description than I had. Let's go with that. Extreme <laughs> lip biting. Uh, uh, the other thing is, I would say the tone of this is maximum anime, especially when they start dropping references. Buddy, wait until you meet your former mentor, whose name is Oyabun, and he just squats the entire time, and every time he speaks, cherry blossoms float across the screen. <laughs> I've, I've met him. I've, I'm ahead of our play style. Or our play. I'm so sad that the like, like the um, more Japanese style of like the running around music only plays on that one screen because it's so good. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, it is. God, it is so weird how like fully half of the vibes in this game are 100% my shit, and the other half of the vibes in this game are designed specifically to repel me. But because I am who I am, if something's trying to repel me, I go, oh, I'm gonna love you, actually, and there's nothing you can fucking do about it. Have you talked to your therapist about that? Uh, yeah, for like the last four years. (laughs) (laughs) Good job. (laughs) To, to be more specific about what I mean by that, uh, these artists are horny for Eiichiro Oda's style, uh, crowd scenes, and especially how they draw shit-eating grins, apes one piece like mad. Oh, it's so but, good, though. Love the, love the like, anime glasses grinning Shade portrait. It's so good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Shade is also, like, just, he's such a Spike Spiegel. Uh, yeah, just he's, such he's a, Spike he, with Kamina glasses. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And if you're wondering who Shade is, you are playing as Dominic Shade, the leader of a gang of misfits who spend, presumably, based on the play clock, 63 days in a town called Rain City, trying to survive and maybe even win a, I don't know if I would call it G-Gundam-style mecha tournament. It is because people come from all over instead of you going all over, but it is like an international tournament like that. Okay, because I was going to say that none of the mechs seem racist enough yet, but hopefully we're going to succeed. None of the mechs are racist. Good news. No, at all. Good news. Then you can't call it G-Gundam. You can't call it G-Gundam without the racism. All right, wait. Is Sailor Moon a race? Uh, Yes. All right, then there's a racist Gundam. Okay. There's a Sailor Moon Gundam. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Technically, she isn't from Earth, so she is Lunarian. <laughs> Racism achieved. Yep. <laughs> also, Racism achieved. Matt, there's your cover is the Dark Souls You Died Banner, but it says Racism achieved. <laughs> also, there you go, Icons and Icons listeners. You now have your weird FF14 crossover, imagining her as one of those little bunnies. Which she the, is because Moon Rabbit. Those are they're not Lunarians, they're Loperits, please. I knew I'd get <laughs> under your skin with that. I, I don't didn't care, fucking actually. say it. I really think they're awful. I hate those motherfuckers. Yeah, they really drag down that expansion real hard. They're annoying and they come at the worst time and you spend forever there and it ruins the pacing. Yeah, can't wait to talk about that on Icons and Icons in five six years. or seven years. <laughs> yeah, uh, if if NFTs aren't in Final Fantasy fourteen by that point, yeah, could be talking about trails instead. Mm-hmm. Carry on. So when you play Wolfstride, you get three, three, three different modes. That's the story right. delivery is cutscenes, a uh, lot of art, great voice. 
it is great voice acting. I don't like the writing so much, but I can't fault the voice acting. It's interesting because, sorry, I, it, I mm-hmm. am kind of allergic to a lot of anime dub voice acting style. And so it took me a long time for me to admit that this was good voice acting because it's it's very abrasive to just like my basic sensibilities at first. But yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. There is standard play where you spend most of your time. You are basically just running shade around Rain City, talking to people doing odd jobs, occasionally buying gear. And then there is the much-too-rare mech combat. Good news. You'll be able to do mech combat whenever you want, soon. Wonderful. Great. So, combat in Wolfstride is a turn-based RPG. It's, um, there's like some positioning involved but it's entirely on like a 2D linear plane where you're yeah. moving forward and backward instead of any kind of grid. Mechs and Wolfstride are divided into four parts. Uh, there's two arms, the head and the chest. Uh, fuck your legs, they don't matter. No one's going to no. try to target them. Uh, Probably because it'd be really hard to model a fight where it's not immediately over when your legs get blown up. Yeah, for real. Uh, each part has its own hit point and armor value as well as a distinct function. Armor is health on top of the part's base HP. It reduces incoming damage on that part by the armor value. Some moves ignore some portion of armor or strip it away. You can also get defensive moves that will add armor to a part. When you get it, equip the Night Eater right away. It's just mm-hmm. a big flamethrower that strips 15 armor from four squares away. Amazing. Hell yeah. So... Any move that you do is performed by one of your mech's limbs. Your mech, uh, which is called Cowboy's, initial attacks are punching with the right arm and shooting with the left. If a limb is destroyed, you lose access to moves done with that limb. The head is where the mech sensor arrays are located. When you do a move in Wolfstride, with a few exceptions, you choose which part of the opponent you're targeting. However, if your head is destroyed, the target is chosen randomly, making it very difficult to take down the enemy as your damage is distributed across the mech rather than focused in. And then finally, the chest is where the, t- is where the cockpit is. If the chest is destroyed, you lose the battle. The arena also plays a large part in combat. All along the bottom of the screen is a row of squares representing the physical space in the arena. Different arenas are different sizes, but the default size is seven squares across, and the arena is bookended by, like, scrap grinders. Like, if you've ever, like, worked at a factory where you have a scrap grinder, that's what those are. Mm. When you start combat, your mech will be on the right side of the arena and the enemy on the left, and this is your position relative to each other in the space. And uh, different positions in this row will have numeric modifiers, like minus five or plus ten, which are, like, abstractions of features of the arena like like a hill that you can hide behind or whatever these positions provide a buff or debuff to attacks you do while there um there's a hidden one which is if one of the mechs is up against the wall and the opponent is next to them trapping them in the corner the opponent gets a huge attack damage bonus on top of other positional modifiers in the square as they get like punched into the scrap grinder or whatever And uh, mechs can move back and forth across the arena by expanding uh, move points to move one cell. Uh, You can also use two move points to move into the cell occupied by your opponent, pushing them back one. Every turn, you will get your action and move points refilled, and Cowboy starts the game with a pair of each. Any move you do is going to cost some action points and maybe some ammo. 
Ammo is a third point system, you have it until it's gone, and then you need to spend action points reloading. Finally, a little bit into the game, you will unlock something called the nanometer. It is basically your overdrive, limit break, etc., used to fuel your most powerful defensive moves, even letting you restore a destroyed part in combat, and these do not consume AP using their own meter. As you go through the game, you will get new parts for Cowboy as well as new moves and some other things I think we'll discuss when they come up, allowing for a lot of flexibility in how you want to play it. Yeah, like last time I played, I ended the game with six move points a turn and was playing like a mobility based melee fighter where I would just have some knockback moves and then use that in my MP to push them into the corner and then just fucking go to town. Uh, very Chris Trailer Strat. That's great. Uh, one thing that I was pleasantly surprised by, I guess I shouldn't have been because like they definitely put a lot of thought into the tactics and customization in this system. But um, there is a defensive move in this game that also like does other things. And yeah. so um, there there is value in defending. There's, you know, it's like you can split if you wanted to, you can split up JRPGs into, you know, different like It's like, oh, buffs matter versus buffs don't matter. And uh, or like, yeah, defending is is valuable versus defending is useless and and this one defending has a function are you talking about cactus guard i'm talking about cactus guard and i'm also talking about how defending will reload your ammo as well yeah so like cactus guard for example adds armor to your right arm and then also taunts them for a turn making them attack that uh reducing mm -hmm. all the damage you take incoming you do have to adjust your build around it because your right arm will get annihilated but like mm -hmm. there's other moves you'll get later. Like one of the best moves in the game is called like breast transplant, where you just get like 25 chest armor for doing it. It's great. Damn. <laughs> great name for it, by the way. Yeah. I was good. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, I'm not going to make any more jokes than just like pointing out that the name is good. Uh, Wolfstride's basic loop is each day you'll check in with all the characters and do the assigned task if you have one. You will then maybe do some jobs, buy some new parts, or do some optional battles. You'll repeat this loop for some number of days until the next big story fight. The game always tells you each morning of the fight. Then that day will be a large, important mech battle. You will earn a nice chunk of change after each bout, which is good news, since all the damage you take in the fight needs to be repaired, which also costs money. Since you've advanced to another stage of the competition, the opponents will be stronger, so you will need to pay for mech upgrades and the training of your pilot. The game repeats like this as the story unfolds, and you try to keep your group financially afloat. I'm not going to lie, I'm keeping backup saves, but I'm aiming to do this with the most fuck-up party imaginable, because I did something ludicrous, and I basically have infinite money now, and so I want to see how much of the game I can just speed run through and still say viable before I have to change that strategy. How many how many hours did you spend listening to the cowbell? Um, around 16. Oh, my God, that's the length of the whole game. <laughs> yeah, I found out that the max bunny is one million. <clears throat> you get infinite money not that long into the game. Yeah, I have infinite money now. Okay. With the mechanics out of the way, we'll get into the game starting on chapter zero, the fucking prologue. And uh, day zero is Cowboy versus Wormageddon. We open with a wolfishly gritted character wel welcoming us, 
people trash. This is Foam Gun. Foam Gun is the fourth wall-breaking narrator, but also the announcer during mech battles. So this is just the most like edgy foot to start off on because yeah first we do get a title card that literally says fucking prologue that wasn't just chris saying fucking uh and then yeah foam gun has extreme down gun rampa energy uh, no. to start with no foam gun has has been hotel hell of a boss energy okay that is an extremely cursed reference that I'm not going to touch with a 10-foot pole because I just cannot stand a uh, hell of a boss. But, I mean, it's, I guess, illustrative. I was I was just like, oh, man, this is, this is, this is a lot. I, this is really leading with, like, an extreme uh, foot. And I was kind of put off at first. Even though I love the phrase people trash, I don't like hearing it like, what's up, people trash? Uh, that that really <laughs> turned me off at first. I was immediately then turned on like 30 seconds later, but I was I was upset at, for the at the first 30 seconds of this game. Yeah, I love that Wolf Shrine does not care if you like the vibe at all. Yeah, it just goes for it. Yeah. Foam Gun tells us we're about to witness something new, the dawn of a new era, the beginning of something, and the death of many more. And the camera fades to a Badlands running across the screen as uh, a voice, which will turn out to be the voice of Shade, narrates the following. A turning point, a moment of time when you look back and wonder, how the hell did I become this? Sleepwalking at light speed, I finally caught up with myself. And then we see a ladder stretching up into the air, attached to the side of a gleaming cube as uh, Shade asks, have I reached the peak of all I could ever be? Am I stuck on a looping mistake? Well, I guess you found your answers, and it's about time I looked for mine. The screen cuts to black. There are several gunshots, and the screen says, Rumble and struggle all you want. This is all you'll ever be. This is who you are, Dominic Shade. Just really underlining that this will be a game about learning to live better. But we're not there yet, because we are then going to start doing the anime pan up someone's ass camera view on a mech's legs, all the way up to the head of our new robot, Cowboy, model number P1 Gallo 07. We then cut into Cowboy's cockpit and see a dude in a wrestling belt, a cowboy hat, shades and a coffee mug who looks like they are taking a shit in a gamer chair <laughs> we just have like an entire like kitchen in there it's so good yeah when i saw the uh when i saw the tiny coffee maker i did start asking myself how often does this spill and break during matches oh, don't yeah. worry about it a later upgrade is called a planned kitchen and the description is so many people droid about it, but few people ever get it. You have one in your mech cockpit. <laughs> <laughs> it gives a lot of health. I'm fine with that. I know how much coffee I consume. A character named Duke, spelled D-U-Q-U-E, because this game cannot do anything without an ounce of irony, uh, comes over the comms, and Duke is a very shaggy dog wearing a jacket and hat that says Wolf. Love Great. that for him. Great. Duke sounds Lightning a bit like this. Yeah, he does. He does. Uh, Lightning Strikes Thrice is just like extremely pro characters wearing hats that say things that are good. <laughs> I'm wearing a hat that just says unload manager right now. <laughs> 
great. I thought you were going to say Lightning Strikes Thrice is very pro spelling something the stupidest way possible as a burn on me. No, that's Icons and Icons is pro spelling stuff the stupidest way possible. Shoutouts to Chlodabamped. <laughs> Fun, stupid joke. The entirety of playing the first Nier when it came out at launch, I just named the dad Far, F-A-H-R, because I thought oh. it was a good joke. <laughs> that came back to bite me in the ass. With a gruff voice, Duke asks the pilot, Hey kiddo, how you holding up? The pilot, Knife Leopard, responds to surfer voice, Great, dude! I love that his name is Knife Leopard. Incredible name. Yeah, no, that all all of the names in this game are... Just fantastic. I think there's a few that don't work, but that's because they're supposed to be your straight man characters. But we can get into that later. Mm -hmm. ha have you met the one yet? I'm going to need we, you to be more. Have you met the robot yet, Sybil? Yes. Okay. I wasn't sure if we met uh, the robot named Peepoo before. Yes, I Fancy have. Chick. <laughs> <laughs> I've met Peepoo. Yeah, I'm on day seven now, so Great. I'm, I'm a little ahead of our recording. Duke is relieved to hear this because he is about to crap his pants. He asks Knife how in the world he can manage his calm, and Knife just says, years of hardship, training mind and body, and a jar of chamomile. It's really weird that, that, that it's like calming tea in the coffee percolator. Uh, yeah, but how do you brew that? <laughs> Very good question. Um, you brew yeah. it the same way you would coffee. You just stick it where the grinds would be. No. Yeah. It's pour over. Mm. Mm. There are so many just like little bits of characterization just in the character portraits. I also love it has the like kind of like paper doll style, like different body parts just kind of like move as the character breathes but it like seeing cowboys like you know ripped shirtless uh chest kind of like heaving uh as you he's mean talking knife? is great sorry yes knife uh knife leopard uh knife leopard has a giant belt buckle that says puddin on it hell yeah and he's reading white fang and he's wearing sunglasses indoors it we'll talk about this i think a little more when we get the pixel art characters but i think that his he just when he started talking i was like oh no because i thought he was gonna sound like such a badass and then he's just like such a fucking surfer bro he grew yeah, on me but i was i was very disappointed at first because i i was like fully expecting this dude to not be that but i feel like his visual novel character portrait and his pixel art character portrait are uh pretty far off from one another it it took a little bit. But yeah, like, I don't know. I love that the cockpit feels like a lived-in space quite a bit. It's a kind of uh, mech interior that we don't often see. And it does feel very, like, thrown together and junky and working class and all of that in ways that, that really appealed to me. It's like... You could you could make something like this in the Ideon because of like how mm -hmm. big it is. Right. So there's a shorthand that I use for a lot of the main trio's character design. Uh, I said that Shade feels like you mixed Spike from Bebop with Kamina from uh, Garen Lagan. Knife Leopard is 
Trigun from the waist up, Hajime no Ippo from the waist down. <laughs> and yeah. I think that's intentional in his case because he's explicitly making Ippo references. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Knife tells Duke to just keep it together. He can always bail if it gets too messy. Duke asks Knife if he's sure about the fight. He bets their pile of junk is worth some decent cash, and it's not too late to bail and just sell the mech. Knife responds that it's uh, for GW, and he wouldn't leave them the mech for no reason. Duke grudgingly agrees and wonders where the hell Shade is. Knife says he doesn't know. Shade left to take a leak about 30 minutes ago. Uh, Some context for this is that the uh, start menu is just the grave of GW. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. And we don't know, we don't know who GW is yet. No. Uh, well, yeah. Now, now we now we know that he's a dead person who uh, the the trio knows somehow, and that's it. He gave him a mech. <laughs> yeah. Duke is pissed and says he's gonna choke Catman to death. Suddenly, <laughs> an alarm sounds. It's time for the fight. Duke wishes knife luck. I want to point out how amazing Duke's like shocked and panicked portrait art is. Yeah. Like it, it's oh my god, it's incredible. He just like he looks so terrified. His mouth gets enormous, his eyes get huge and white. It it really sells how hey. scared he is of this. He has like the dog jowl foam, really good. Yes. Yeah, uh, I think really good. Duke gets the best portraits because his design prevents him from getting a lot of the weird other touches that the other two characters do. Yeah, that's true. All of the, um, the, the, I'm going to use the word manimals that all of the manimals get. They have the best portraits like fancy Jack and hog. They have great portraits. Mm-hmm. Then we get our intro cinematic where the mech bay doors open on a cowboy and wormageddon and you get the classic, pre-fight shots of the mechs the pilot hands on the controls and the pilots themselves uh we see foam gun at the uh hanging down condenser mic and the huge crowd and then uh we cut to a dog and a cat in trench coats standing in a hall over a man that they have beat the shit out of they look at the photo of their target on a phone and it's not the guy they just beat up (laughs) you are underselling this because we have the crowd and we have the music start to swell as you see the match and we hear that playing all over this bit in the back of the arena. Yeah, so it's the, continuing this whole time. Yeah, the music is really good. This track is a play. What's playing is the intro to the podcast. The target that is on their phone walks past him and they spot him and shout and he sprints off and they follow. Uh, he heads to the bathroom, sits and pulls down his pants, presumably to start taking a shit. And then they bust in, and he lights up a cigarette and grins at them, and we get a title card. It's it's great. I I, I rolled my eyes at like you know taking the shit the like games copy text like the for on Steam and on the Switch store calls it an immature RPG or like I think it might even be like an immature mature RPG, and they're really turning that up. It adds to like there's there's a little bit of humor in the tension here as he's like, oh, yeah, you know, Shade's like, oh, I don't I don't this is how much of a shit that I give uh, about what's about to happen to me. Literally. Also, I want to point out uh, Chekhov's dog bone that one of the great little bits of uh, the the like dog mob member or like the dog tough is that he's like very tall and very stoic, but he's just got like 
one of those like toy rubber dog bones in his mouth the entire time he's just holding it there and it will uh it will come back later like Chekhov's gun great name for this dog by the way killer great name for your dog thug npc yeah just fantastic just because i did pull it up the quote that ryan was referencing is this immature grown-up rpg thank you and I think nothing sums it up better than the first screenshot on the Steam page being a character named Junkie Pete saying, I can barely hold my pants on, Charlie Boiler. So that's this game. Off our tutorial fight, the game explains the basics of combat. We already beat you to that, so we'll skip it. And we get some characterization throughout it. Knife is stoked about this whole thing, despite being the one whose life is on the line. And Duke is a cynical ball of nerves, constantly just going, ah, worst decision I ever made. When you use the shooting attack, Knife thinks it is fucking awesome. And Godworm is mad he brought a gun to a fist fight, which seems... These bullets are so big, by the way. They're like like Ava-sized bullets where they're like as big as a car. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is uh this is a bit Voltron-esque that way. Godworm begins charging a huge punch, and Duke thinks, well, cowboy's gonna go down to this, and he regrets not selling the mech before it got beat to shit in the ring. You will have one turn to play with. And then Wormageddon will slam Cowboy in the chest for 45 of your 50 HP. Duke says, Dream is over, and this mountain of crap was my worst gamble yet. The fight is interrupted as Knife gets a call on his cell phone. It is Shade, and he does not answer because he is busy with being in the middle of a life-or-death mech battle. It... It cannot be overstated how much Duke says the word crap uh, throughout this game. At first, it just felt like a little flavor, and then it was like, oh, wow, this this dog loves to say the word crap. It's all over the place. We cut back to the man sitting on the toilet. Uh, we finally get his name, even though we could put it together from context clues before this. His name is Dominic Shade. He tells them that Knife isn't answering. Uh, also, he calls him Pineapples. Uh, a little, a nice little like detail is that the three main characters of the game all have nicknames for one another. Uh, it's great. Yeah, like Shade calls Duke a wizard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of them doing this uh kind of made it a bitch to learn their names at first <laughs> just because it's not casually explained it's just ah oh, cat man oh pineapples is out of the hospital etc etc yeah it took a second but but it, it once i once i picked it up i i really enjoyed it the cat uh hitman whose name is trinket is like Call him again. Shade refuses, and Trinket tells him that it will be a breach of contract. Shade pushes back, and Trinket tells him, 
it's in his best interest. This is him being nice and throwing him a lifeline. Call him again and have him throw the fight. Shade refuses and Trinket throws to his partner Killer, saying, let's beat this hippie up. The screen fades out to the sound of uh, bloody blows landing. Every time that Trinket, like, basically gives Killer a command, there is, like, an anime uh, or, like, a manga, like, mid-panel insert scene of just, like, Killer's eyes opening, which is rad. Okay, so further, every time he does that, he will say, let's X this Y nickname. Mm Mm-hmm. Trinket wonders why people are such assholes from the primordial sop to the dawn of the 21st century soup please oh (laughs) sorry primordial sop is our notes guy wow fuck you uh trinket wonders why people are such assholes from the primordial soup to the dawn of the 21st century lifestyles have evolved but they're still assholes which to me implies that he's like an actual cat yeah, no, there is this like there 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 is this kind of like implication that the animal people and the human people have like evolved differently or something. The yeah. way that he's like, oh, people are such assholes. But then like Bounty Hog just has a goat as a pet, which seems weird then. Yeah. <laughs> Look, funny animals, regular animals, goofy and Pluto. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is. It's it's goofy v Pluto rules. God, I still think of embarrassment uh, of the time when I was seven years old and at Disney World and was talking to Goofy and accidentally called him Pluto and he corrected me, but like without words. Uh, and and even though I was seven and it was an honest mistake, I still just like shudder. I have a shame wave when I think about that. Oh, I thought this was going to be just thinking of Pluto and bondage gear because everyone just thinks that Pluto is a sick freak. Uh, no, that's that's not me. I wouldn't I wouldn't think that. Uh, anyway, okay. Trinket. Continues. We don't all hang out in the same discords as you and Matt. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, is it wrong to pick up a Pluto in the dungeon? Trinket continues saying C4 is the pinnacle of human evolution. It fits anywhere in any shape, almost undetectable. In his line of work, he hopes people will cooperate, but again, they're assholes, and that's why C4 exists, so he can do his job. He asks Killer to blow knife up. Cinematic where, uh, there's a cinematic where Godworm's punch connects, and Killer detonates the device, which is presumably either, it's, it's gotta be in Wormageddon's fist, I think. Uh, no, the, and the C4 nope, is in Cowboy's chest. Oh, shit. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, okay, damn. So, yeah, there is a cinematic where Godworm's punch connects and Killer detonates the device, which uh, causes Cowboy's entire chest to explode. And then we get a title card that says, End of Day Zero. I love how Chekhov's chew toy was the detonator also. Yeah, it's great. It's great. It, like, starts blaring and and uh, Trinket is like, God damn it, like, what? why does it have to be there? He's, like, upset that Killer is just, like, has this dog bone that is also the detonator. G- great start to a mech game. Mm-hmm. Also, during the fight, there's, like, a lot of, like, the classic good mecha shit of, like, pilots talking to each other in the cockpits with cutaways back and forth between them. Love it. Yeah, that's great. You know, this game does start with a mandatory loss during the tutorial, but it doesn't... You can't really get close to killing Godworm, really, inside the tutorial. Like, you can, you can like, maybe destroy one of its parts, 
or, you know, take its armor down a little bit. But but you're really in no danger of having the like, oh, God, I almost won. And then it like snatched defeat out from under me. It it does the mandatory loss better than uh, other games do. No yeah, well, also comment. it helps that there's no consumables you can waste. Yeah, true, true. Uh, and that takes us into chapter one of Born of the Broken Men, and it's uh, day one, 62 days remain. Uh, the game does in fact end at the end of it. Over a black screen, Shade addresses Knife, who asks what happens to Shade's face, and the screen fades in and Shade is visiting Knife in the hospital. All Knife remembers is Godworm, who Shade says is dead of an unrelated heart attack. <laughs> Knife is perplexed. He remembers Godworm coming in for the finish when everything went white. And Shane tells him, that was the explosion. They were sabotaged. Also, don't tell Duke about it, or you'll never pilot again. Uh, Knife asks how it happened, and Shane says he sold the fight to some shady guys, and uh, pivots out of explaining this by asking how Knife is doing. Knife. This is where I was like, oh, uh, okay, so the game is signaling that Shade is not a good person. Shade is, in fact, shady. Ha ha ha. Yeah. Hu- huge asshole. Mm-hmm. Knife is uh, just dizzy. Shade says Duke is trying to be worried, but he's over the moon because they're drowning in cash from the match win. The doctors think Knife is probably going to be fine. He'll be out in a few days. Knife's just going, where's Duke? Shade thinks he's back at the hangar, keeping his hands busy with the ruins of Cowboy. Knife asks how the Cowboy is, and we cut to the smoldering wreck viewed from the... uh... So... The way a lot of things work in this game is you have a very zoomed-in vision of yourself, but they're really just kind of low-res to maybe 720-ish screens. Uh, sort of like a, a belt-scroller kind of thing. And this is the full zoom-out on your hangar, where you see the mech smoking, all kinds of rubble, and Duke yelling, a crap catastrophe, an utterly humongous pile of shit. Uh, so this is clearly like, you know, this like dystopian world where people have to do fucked up shit to survive. But also it seems like Knife's medical costs are being taken care of. So maybe in this like uh, this uh, dystopian future, they still have socialized medicine because it's like Knife's medical bills aren't coming out of the cash prize money for some reason. That just it doesn't matter. But uh, I thought it comes out of all the rest of the money they had to the point where your cash prize money is the only money you have. Ah, word, word, word. Not to mention uh, this is Brazil. This is fair. Yeah, this is true and fair. Uh, So (laughs) there's, yeah, like once again, Duke's like character portrait turns into like just like angry Duke. And um, he's got literal like steam coming out of his nose and you're seeing uh, his bottom teeth and, and like his he's so mad that like smoke is also coming out of his ears and his wolf hat is like about to fly off his head and he's like that's the most gruesome pile of shit i've seen since last christmas he's obviously upset shade tells him that knife will be fine for the next one and duke says yeah but there's nothing for him to pilot shade suggests they get a mechanic and duke is like no way he can fuck up cowboy himself for free he realizes shade has manipulated him into being their mechanic and is mad about it yeah uh, it is very hard 
for me to have like any thoughts about these characters because I've already finished the entire game and they have grown on me a lot already. <laughs> I'm firmly at the place where I'm trying not to judge anything because they're still drip feeding me things. So I'm keeping most of my thoughts on characters back for now. Yeah, 20 hours is like a long time. Oh, yeah. For, for, to hang out with like four guys, you know, like, look, I've spent 16 with them. Yeah, well, you spent 16 hours listening to the cowbell. That music is so good for the bike delivery service. I love that. Uh, Did you know, actually, some of those are basically pixel perfect, and I had to use Cheat Engine Slowdown to complete them. Well, that's because you get upgrades later that make it easy. Oh! Yeah, I knew it's when I wasn't able to complete even when I wasn't even able to complete the third delivery, much less get a perfect rating. I was like, oh, there's there's something holding me back from this. It's not just my skill because I'm pretty good at Paperboy and Excite Bike. I could understand how you could misread this because of the tone of the game, but the game also tells you this is literally a waste of your time. <laughs> but it had rankings and prizes. <laughs> fucking Sybil catnip eh I just had to do it once Duke says he'll need a miracle and a laundry list of parts that Shade is to get including a dry pump of sea engine 100 pounds of scrap and 21 rolls of duct tape <laughs> and, and suggests that Shade checks the nearby junkyard uh, we shift to playable mode and we get uh, 10,900 real dollars real dollars and uh a message saying that Bounty Hog's scrapyard is now available, and we head down the scaffolding and out of the hangar to the map. So, the world map is like, you know, you you select a location, and then you go to that location, and before each, like, story or mechanics-relevant screen, there's, like, one screen of traveling along the road. You get, like, you know, little uh, environmental details where Shade narrates to himself. Uh, one thing that I really appreciated about this game is that you don't just find cash, you find trinkets that Shade can sell for cash, but you don't have to collect all the trash and then sell it to a junk dealer. He just, like, Shade just narrates, like, oh, cool, like, an old ancient Soviet coin. I could probably get $150 for that, selling it on the black market somewhere. And then you just get the cash equivalent. I thought that was a really nice detail where you can have it where you're not just collecting dollar bills from trash cans or collecting like actual stuff, but you, it, you don't have to have a sell junk mechanic in the game. There will be one later but you don't need to collect the items to trash. And also these don't refill. So do not feel compelled to con continually yeah, check right. the trash. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't think you've seen my favorite one of those yet, which is, uh, Oh man, a $200 bill. Wait, this yeah. is monopoly money. Wait, there's a $10 bill in my wallet. <laughs> yeah. Score. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is, that's, it's very cute and clever. Hog's Yard mm -hmm. is just a junkyard, and we are when we arrive, Foam Gun describes it as capitalism's garden, a place for trade and cash owned by a pig. This is this is a barter market. This is not capitalism. This is a barter market. The markets can exist in socialism. Foam Gun, come on. I know that it's probably capitalism's garden, though. I know where this game is going. Also, people from Brazil know a lot about markets under socialism. <laughs> Fair. 
We hit up the proprietor, a literal pig named Bounty Hog, and his pet goat, Barbara. Shade inquires about the engine, and Hog tells him that he doesn't deal in mecha parts. Yet. He does, however, have all the scrap that Shade and Duke need, and wants to know what brings someone like Shade to Rain City. Shade says he's here for a shot at a good payday. Hog is like, oh, yeah, I love an entrepreneurial spirit, and tells Shade that he's got a nephew who is into Mecca and recently got a piloting license. He offers to give him a call and see if we can make some money out of the situation. We get the scrap and tape, and then Hog gives us a lead on the engine. Uh, There is a witch in town that he doesn't like, but she should be able to help us out. Hog gives us directions and something to deliver to her. So, we now have the Crapyard available on the map. When we arrive, Foam Gun will tell us the obvious, that it used to be called the Scrapyard, but the S fell off the sign. The Crapyard is an old woman, a trailer, a cabin, and 21 cats tucked in among mountains of mecha scrap. We walk up and inquire with the woman, Double Zeta Zowie, about the engine <laughs> and tell her about the package from Bounty Hog. When we first meet her, she's like crouched over something, or like she's like crouched down and fixing or tinkering with something. And I thought she was just that short. And I was super stoked that uh, one of the characters was just like a three foot tall ancient woman. And then she stands up and I was like, ah, damn it. Well, now you have an ancient woman and a three foot tall pig later. I was going to say, Ryan, (laughs) I have good news. You are going to see so many three foot tall or smaller characters in this game. Can't wait. Ah, Peepoo. <laughs> Peepoo yep. is the one that takes the longest to grow on you, for sure. Yeah, I can see why. Uh, she opens it up, and it is implied that Hog just took a shit in a box and sent it to him. <laughs> Double Zeta thinks Shade's willingness to play Aaron Boy could come in handy before returning to that inquiry about the engine. Shade is doubtful she really deals in mech parts, but she assures him, despite her age, she stays up on the trends. She says she can get our engine, and then we are asked to remember if it was a dry or wet sump pump. You can give the wrong answer here. It has minimal payoff later. She then asks, you got any blueprints for your mech? Shade says they do not. She says that she would like to come over and look so she can see what she's working with, and Shade goes, no problem with that. And then the game takes us away back to the hangar and ZZ has no fucking clue what kind of mech cowboy is. Duke does call ZZ ma'am, which she absolutely hates. (laughs) Same. ZZ is blown away by cowboy. The layout of this circuitry, the distribution of weight and overall materials. And then just like great timing on the dialogue advancing all a piece of shit. And her final (laughs) judgment is we'd be better off piloting a giant trash can. And uh, ZZ then climbs atop Cowboy's head and proclaims she has seen and fixed worse. Uh, so a couple of things here. First, uh, I love how, like, afraid of ZZ Duke is the whole time. And, like, you know, when she leaves, he's like, God damn it. And, you know, he's, like, raging and ranting and all that. But the, like, yes, ma'am. And she's like, don't fucking call me ma'am. He's like, oh, sorry, sorry. And then he, like, is really just, like, deferential to her the rest of the scene. It's 
cute. It's good. Also, just for the listeners who who aren't versed in Gundam, when Sybil says double Zeta and Chris said ZZ, it's the same character. Uh, that's just a little fun joke for double Zeta Gundam fans. Uh, oh, no, that's, definitely, that's probably, how I'm referring to her. That's definitely I, an intentional reference. Okay, Reen. I know it's definitely an intentional reference, absolutely, but I don't think we're supposed to call her double data the whole time. I also don't think you should sabotage the podcast forever for this one bit. All right, ZZ it is. The, this, but yeah, this is not a Reenwa situation, uh, I don't think. That was no, fun. it was anyway, not. I I'm knew just the whole time. <laughs> I, I was not doing a bit. I know you weren't doing a bit. I know you were legitimately not doing a bit with Renoir, which is why I called it, which is what but I know you're probably not doing a bit here, but yeah, uh, I'm just sick of the fact that on every season we're doing right now, we have characters with names like CC, ZZ, VV, LL, all this bullshit. I'm so sick of it. <laughs> Fair. So ZZ has never seen a mech-like cowboy in any of her catalogs, and she's got all the catalogs. She thinks cowboy is probably a custom, or worse, a prototype. She asks how we wound up with cowboy, and upon finding out that it was a gift from a dead friend, she changes her tone faster than Chris Taylor when he has truly upset someone. She wants to know what our hopes for cowboy are, and Shade says that their financial lives depend on it. She says it'll be a while before Cowboy can become profitable. Duke retorts, telling her it's already won a fight, which she seems taken aback by, saying it was either luck or an incredible pilot. Shade goes, well, it definitely wasn't the latter. Also, the next day when you get the ability to repair your back, between paying for ZZ and then repairing your back, you're actually in the hole $200 from the fight. <laughs> Yeah, if you haven't uh, if you haven't scrounged around and found some of that little loot in the city that we were mentioning earlier, you will be in for a bad time. Also, I will just say, as someone who has dealt with prototype versions of tech, controllers, hardware, etc., I absolutely know why ZZ fucking loathes them. Yeah, if you've only if you seen anime, you're like, why would you not want that? Those are always better. <laughs> so much epoxy so much fucking half-assed soldering and that's just electronics i can only imagine what kind of tesla ass engineering you have to use on a fucking mech like let me tell you the (laughs) prototypes for vending machines real bad oh i believe it So, ZZ takes a look at the damage and immediately picks up on the kill shot not being from the fight and that the mech blew from inside out. Shade covers up what happened by saying the opponent's arm exploded while striking the chest. ZZ just makes a noise here and is like, alright. Well, she wants to work with Duke in his capacity as mechanic, telling him she'll need a full-body scan to create a detailed blueprint to work off of. This can be used to create drafts for custom parts and make adaptations to install existing mass market parts. I wonder if we'll be dealing with those in some way. (laughs) Gee, I wonder. Duke says we don't have money for that, and she tells him he'll have to figure that out since no one else in this world is going to help with this piece of junk. She says we could do it by ourselves, but she's seen what we could do and is not impressed. 
Uh, ZZ fears <laughs> for anyone who would sit in that death trap of a cockpit and tells Duke he should show more respect for someone else's life. Fucking got his ass. <laughs> she says she'll start tomorrow and it'll cost 10 grand for the blueprint, replacement parts, engines, and new circuits. And uh, now we're going to suddenly have less money than we did before winning the fight with Godworm. And uh, she steamrolls past Duke's objections and is excited to turn this mess into a champion. Uh, this point has the only branch in this initial day where if Duke heard her mention a wet sump pump, he calls you a dipshit. So probably not that distinct of a change. No. At the end of the day, Duke and Shade are drinking together at the table at Cowboy's Feet. Duke asks Shade what he thinks, and Shade says he's going to sign the contract with ZZ. Duke thinks they can't afford it and also doesn't like ZZ. Shade thinks that she's just lovely. Duke is worried that she won't deliver and that they'll be out of cash. Shade says they've got to make sure Knife doesn't go through this again and comes back alive. Duke pushes again to sell the mech and split it three ways, but Shade tells him that has to be unanimous, and Knife definitely isn't going to budge on that, so it is, So their best bet is to just proceed. And that is the end of day one. And that is also the end of the episode. What did we think about it? It's a good opening. It is. It's a good opening. Again, it's like, it goes from, like, strong characterization to, like wacky edgy anime shit just like the whiplash is so incredible and it can be jarring and i didn't know how i felt about it tonally until i played a little bit more into the game and it's it's not that it settles down necessarily it's just that i get used to the rhythm and as the characters and the character uh character relationships get deeper there's like more stakes and and more humanity at play but it definitely leads with a very strong foot. Yeah, it has a perspective and like a very strongly defined one rather than just wanting you to like it. Yes, yes. It, do it does not care if you like it or not, even in moments where it feels incredibly tryhard. It's incredibly tryhard because that's what the devs wanted to do, not because it's like, look at me, look at me, look at me, please like me. One little bit of early characterization that I like is that it is it 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 feels clear that while these three main characters do care about each other, they likely would not have stayed together had it not been for the departed friend who sounds like was the glue that kept them together. The dialogue between Shade and Duke is like full of sniping that feels halfway between friend sniping and like but i secretly don't actually like you sniping it's great they do feel this sense of shared responsibility though uh so like right off the bat we do get a vibe of of what these characters how these characters feel about one another here's an easy metaphor to roll with that duke is definitely chris shade is matt and uh, I, I honestly don't know whether it would be you or I who counts as knife, Ryan. <laughs> Ryan is knife and that is Peepoo. <laughs> okay. I suppose I am probably you shady could be enough to be if you want to. <laughs> Let's be real. I'm probably the dirtbaggiest enough of us to be shade. Mm. That definitely lines up with some character stuff you find out later. <laughs> yeah, I'm keeping my mouth shut on anything past day one for a reason. I don't know. I I think this is a good opening. 
next time I will have some words. That's all until next time. I will be doing a pickup later when I figure out where the next episode ends. Uh, it will either be Fancy Jack or probably halfway to the next fight. Mm-hmm. Advice. Once you get the console, you'll get a game console and the mid-level. I don't even know if the game announces it. It will be on the mid-level where that TV is opposite of where Duke hangs out. Go to the shop, buy the battle pass, and then every day do like one to three battles until the enemies tear up past you, obviously. And that's where you make almost all your money. You don't have to do any work. And that gives you a lot of parts also. Oh, great. And Hmm. unless you do more of the mech combat than once every two hours. Good to know. God, I really wish that I had written it down because it's going to be hard to search for because not a lot of people have played this game yet, I don't think. But one little detail that I dug is on the save screen, on the right hand side of the save screen, there is like this extra text that is relevant to whatever chapter you're in not day but chapter Mm -hmm. and it feels like if you've ever gone into like a mid-period friends at the table season where they have this like other story going on in the episode description if you read the episode description text it does feel like that this one i believe is a quote from gw but again i didn't write it all the way down but i like it is a letter i'm gone gone and done folks don't ask why don't ask how we had a great time wish i could be there for you assholes get the gang together once more yeah never mind that i got something for y'all consider it my final gift it is my legacy so try and keep it just come to our last rendezvous it will be waiting there i'll be waiting there regards mfs gw thank you you're welcome regards mfs is how i basically sign off the podcast (laughs) pretty much yeah all right well speaking of which that's it for this week peace out fuckers (laughs) see ya (laughs) and and also with you (laughs) 